Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever been to church on a baptism Sunday? Did you pay attention to the words that were spoken before each person was submerged and then resurfaced to applause and excitement from the congregation? Today, Pastor Jim talks about Jesus' judgment of a church that is full of active Christians. They were all too happy to show you what they were doing and all too quick to leave Jesus out of the picture. The words during baptism speak to this, buried with Christ in death. But that's only the beginning. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelations chapter 3 as he continues his message. It's time to wake up. One of my friends came here last summer and he was like, man, there's so much life in your church. There's so much love in your church. It was really wonderful, Jim, to be at there. And they had been touring a whole bunch of churches. And so he's like, you look alive, but there's no spirit life. You have a lot of claims, a lot of stuff that you're doing, but they're empty claims. Because at the end of the day, there's little to no commitment to me, Jesus is saying, there's no real transformation among the people. They're really not changing. Essentially, Jesus is saying this to these people, and this is not an easy thing for them to hear. You are a Christian in name only. You have faith only when it's convenient for you. You say, but they have such a great reputation. But they have such a great reputation. People in the community love them. The people loved going to church. They had a great reputation. You know, I knew a guy, I know a guy still, that had a terrible reputation at the end of his ministry. Some of you know him too. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Terrible reputation. How bad could it be? They crucified him. They crucified him. And of course, how many people have a great reputation? And then we hear later on, either later on when they're still alive, that's really grace, or after they die, that it was all completely a lie, that it wasn't true at all. In the United States, big is successful. I feel so bad. We said it a couple of weeks ago. I don't know whether it was a Wednesday or Sunday night. The, the average church in America is 65 people. If you have more than 65, that you're in the top 10% of churches in the United States of America. Some of you are like, that doesn't seem right. Go down south. Every third building is a church. Every third building is a church. So there we are. We're in the top 10%. How do you feel? We're 10 percenters. Okay? But it doesn't matter. In America, a lot of times when big is better, you, your church ends up a mile wide and an inch deep. I'm going to be honest with you. I told this to the people after COVID happened and a lot of people had moved out of state. I said, I'm just going to preach. We're going to preach hard. We're going to pray that God fills our church again, which he's done and continues to do. But I would much rather us be an inch wide and a mile deep. I want God's people to be deep. Why? Because when the trials and tribulations of life come, you'll be able to deal with them instead of falling away like so many people do from inch deep church. Oh, it's very entertaining. It's very easy. You never feel bad about yourself. 
you know, well, that was these people. I'm glad you're not like that, right? No, come on. There's shades of all of this in us, and Jesus wants us to see that. Anything less than big in America is a failure, but it's not. I feel so sorry for pastors that, that are preaching their heart out. I met these guys one time, at a, they were my roommates at a pastor's conference, and one guy pastored a church of 150 people in a town of 300 people. That's a mega church. Could you imagine having 50% of your city, of your town coming to your church? I mean, what would that be? What would that be, you know, in some of our bigger cities? Oh, he's got a church of 5 million people. <laughs> right. I mean, it just the guy was not a failure, yet he felt like one. See, the problem is if there's too many programs and activities, right, that have taken our eyes off Jesus, what is Jesus saying? You can become a cemetery of faith. You can become dead. Perhaps this was once a healthy church, but they got complacent. They lost their vibrant faith. They lost the gospel. What happened? What can happen to any of us? They stopped paying attention and they fell asleep. And then what happened? Too little word of God in them, too little Holy Spirit in them, and too much of the world in them. Remember, the world always creeps in. Now, be careful, those of you who are new, be careful of, now that we have to have the Holy Spirit in a church, we'll talk about that in a second, but be careful of people who talk about too much Holy Spirit talk. You'll find that most of them, their lives really don't match up with their, what they say, okay? So when some people say stuff like this to you, ah, oh, you got to come to our church, man. The Holy Spirit's dripping off the oil. The Holy Spirit's dripping off the wall. You're like, somebody should clean the wall. <laughs> I mean, it just, again, we want the Holy Spirit, okay? But Jesus says to them, these people, you're dead, don't tell me about what's dripping off the wall. Tell me about how the people love Jesus. Tell me about how the people love one another. Tell me how the people are living for Jesus. Tell me about how the people are serving Jesus, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to hear about. Jesus is telling these people, you can say whatever you want, there's no Holy Spirit here, because if there was Holy Spirit here, you'd be alive. Without the Holy Spirit, a church is dead. Did you hear that? Some of us have visited a church and you're like, this place is deader than a doorknob. This place is dead. Without the Holy Spirit, a human being is spiritually dead. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't mean that to insult you. I want you to think about it and think about it carefully. It is Jesus who sends the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, to us, Galatians 4, 6. So that's his complaint. You're dead. You're dead. That takes us to number four, the correction. The correction. Now, the correction, I want to read verse 2 and the first half of verse 3. I'm going to read it twice. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and 
There's that word again, repent. So let's just stop right there. Let's go slowly. Be watchful. A lot of your versions say, wake up. We might say, be spiritually alert. Be spiritually alert. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Or some versions say, which is about to die. For I have not found your works perfect, or some versions say complete, before God. Remember, therefore, how, or some versions say what, you have received and heard. Here's this term again. Hold fast. Some versions say keep it or obey it and repent. Stop right there. Change your mind. Turn back to God and change your ways. Ask God for help to change your ways. If you're having trouble, maybe you got something going on, come out on a Monday night to be with a bunch of people that are working to change their ways. Some have, but they realize that they have to do maintenance because if you don't do maintenance, you can very easily end up back where you were before. Monday night's our recovery group. So there's actually a number of commands here, but it's the first one that steers the ship. Be watchful. Be watchful. Again, some versions say, wake up. Now, militarily, this would, they would understand what a lot of this was, because militarily, Sardis was thought to be unconquerable. These are where you got to watch Lord of the Rings to see these cities that think that they're unconquerable, and all of a sudden they find out that they're not. Sardis had been conquered twice. This is what happened both times. Anybody who attacked them always lost because they shot them as they were coming up the hill. Jerusalem thought the same thing about themselves, but they got starved out. But what happened in Sardis was they defeated them, and in their victory, their joyful victory, they were outside the city, and going back to the city, the enemy followed them in to find the secret entrance in. See, there's always somebody watching, right? And so they thought they were unconquerable, but they were conquered. Why? Because they weren't watching. They weren't on the outlook. They weren't looking out. These people were just doing church. There's a lot of that going on. Without trusting, without depending on Jesus, they forgot where they had come from. It's like Jesus is saying to them, you were once strong, but you're not anymore. You're not anymore. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't give up. He says, come back. And quite honestly, it is my hope and my prayer that maybe to some of us in this audience, including myself, that Jesus is actually saying to you, come back. Come back. It's not too late. It's not over. My blood will cover, that I shed on the cross will cover it all, no matter what you have done. It is not too late for you to come back. Next, Jesus says, strengthen the things which remain. What is he saying? Go back to and practice what little godliness is left before you die. Go back to it. You see, they think they're okay. They think they're fine. I'm good. We're good, Jesus. Don't worry about it. Wrong church you got here. Maybe you're a little confused, Jesus. But Jesus says, 
for I have not found your works perfect or complete before God. What is he saying? All this activity, all this busyness does not reflect new life in Christ. It reflects what? Busyness. But there seems to be no change, no evidence of grace in your life. The New Testament is very clear on this. The way we live is a direct reflection of our faith and are yielding to, submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, you will not be perfect. We say this often. We are not sinless, but Lord willing, the more we walk with Jesus, we sin less, and we are more aware of times when we are not walking with him. If I had a guess here, I think once again, their problem is what we might call a half-hearted Christianity, of which Jesus would say there is no such thing as a half-hearted Christianity. We'll get to that in the last church. There's no such thing as Christianity just being easy and comfortable and not being radical. Jesus wants his people to have a radical faith. So by all appearances, this is a good church. In Jesus's eyes, this is not a good church. Once again, he says in verse three, remember therefore how or what you have received and heard and hold on to it. What is he saying to them? You've lost the teaching of the apostles. You've lost my teaching. You've lost the teaching of the prophets. You've lost the teaching of the gospel. So what does he want us to do? Daily think about what Jesus did for you and live your life in light of that. Now, he's not talking about being weird. I mean, some people are just so weird. I mean, listen, let's say you live next to a neighbor, right? You know, your, your neighbor, Pagan Pete, always my apologies to everybody named Pete in the audience, <laughs> right? You could, don't go up to Pagan Pete and go, Pete, I was praying for you this morning that you'd be washed in the blood of the lamb. <laughs> Want to come over to my house for a barbecue this afternoon? I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> right? We talk in this weird Christianese language. What does it say about Jesus? The common people heard him well. Right? He was simple. A lot of times people meet me after the service, and they'll go to me. This is the first time I've ever been through something like this. And I'll say this to them. I don't go, did you like it? I always say this to them. Was I clear? Okay, I'm just the messenger. I'm stealing everything from Jesus, and I make no bones about it. Okay, I'm the thief on the cross, right? <laughs> and I'm stealing everything from him. I just want to know, was I clear? Whether you liked it or not, that's between you and God. Was I clear? And so Jesus is talking to them. He loved, the common people loved him. And the religious leaders hated him. Why? Because he was clear. It was clear. He told the people, the common people, come on into my kingdom. What did he tell the religious leaders? You think you're going in? You're not. 
You're not. I don't care that you got the, all the religious stuff. I don't care what your diploma says on the wall. I don't care about any of that stuff. You're phonies. You're dead. You're not the real thing. But the church at Sardis had drifted away. I don't know about this. Have you noticed this? That it's pretty rare to drift towards something important. Do you ever drift towards stuff that's important? We tend to drift towards what? Away from the stuff that's important. You got to really work it to stay on the stuff that's important. But it's easy to drift away from the stuff that's important. And Jesus ends this part and he says this to them quite simply, repent, repent. Now, I want to just say something about that word repent. Repent is to confess your sins, to, to ask God to forgive you, to say that you don't want to live this way anymore and that you want to walk with him and you need his help, okay? Now, a lot of people, this is a big mistake of the church in America that we paid well, did well for a season, but now is anymore, is we let people think of you repent, you trust in Jesus, and then you're done. Okay, that's a false gospel. That is a shaved word. That is a shaved gospel. Does that need to happen? Yes. But is that the end of your repenting and trusting in Jesus? No. No. Not at all. In fact, we are constantly repenting. Now, you say, well, I I feel bad when I repent. That's because you do not understand repentance. And I, I won't talk about this for two hours, but maybe one. But no, I won't. Here's the problem. When you repent, okay, what are you doing? You're taking the sin that you have and you're what? Giving it to God. You're giving it to Jesus. Because you say to God, please forgive me. And he goes, I do. Give it to me. Give it to me. And so repenting should not make you feel worse about yourself. Repenting should make you feel better. And I know sometimes you get sick of your own voice repenting of the same sin. Good. Good. So some things I'm just like, oh, it. I can't talk to you about this anymore, God. I'm, I'm getting sick of hearing about me about it, right? You must be getting, but he's not that way. So think of it this way. If you didn't write anything down today, write this down. The grace of repentance. The grace of of repentance. That repentance is a grace that God gives to all of us for us to unload our guilt and our shame and for him to begin a transformational work in us. All right, number five, the consequences, the consequences. So we'll begin with the negative first and look at the second half of verse three. Therefore, if you will not watch or not wake up or if you're not alert, I will come to you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you, or you will not know when I come to you or when I come against you. Now, this is the second time that Jesus tells them to be watchful or to wake up. What is he saying? Be aware of the spiritual complacency in your life. Now, the big question in this passage is how were they complacent? I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. And the big thing, I, I know that these letters are written to churches because of the persecution that they were under, but there's no mention of persecution with this church. There's absolutely none. And it probably because they had lacked, they were dead, 
They lacked being on fire for God. They lacked the power of the spirit and the power of the gospel in their lives. And all the people in the neighborhood said, we love those guys. We love those guys. They never say anything that rub us the wrong way. They're always just, you know, nice to us. You know, they take care of our kids if we, you know, if we ask them to. They give us stuff. We like them. They're fine. They're nice. They don't, you know, they do their thing in their church. We don't want any part of that. But, you know, whatever the thing is. But, but we, don't, we don't do anything with that. I hear from a lot of pastors that I know. And they're like, oh, we get along so good with the county, right? I asked for one little favor from the county, right? I said, hey, we're doing a radio station. We'll be happy to put count, you know, town events on our radio station, advertise them for you. Can we just pay, right, going rate, whatever it is, to put an antenna on a county antenna right on this back hill right here? That's it. It's not a lot. They go, well, it's full. When you go out of here today, <laughs> right, you look at that tower. That's not full. You got to be up on a high hill, right? I showed it to an engineer. He goes, what do they think? They're Los Angeles? I mean, what is this? So then I wrote a letter, and they called me back. This is what they said to me. If Al-Qaeda wanted to be on our station, should we put them? Oh, yeah. I said, did you just call me Al-Qaeda? I said, they said, yes. I said, well, to be honest with you, in the country that I live in, I don't know where you live, but in the country that I live in, if they went through the two-year vetting process with the FCC that I did, yes, they deserve to be on the air until they say something that's instituting violence. They should. They should. Another time, uh, talking to another politician, little favor needed. Lean a little favor from me, something for one of his family members. Not a problem. You got it. He goes, hey, anything you need one time, you come to me. Okay. So I called in my marker, right? And he's like, oh, I can't do that. I go, that's simple. He goes, yeah, but it'll make me look bad. I said, well, I did something for you. You said if I need anything, you could do it. And he goes, mm, sorry, sorry. He says, maybe try another time. I go, I ain't going to try another time. You're a liar. You're a liar. You know, it's the funniest thing. I talk to politicians in the area. You know what they say to me? That 107.9 thing. You know what they'll say to me? We know who you are. Right? We know who you are. Right? We know what you're about. I got pulled over on the bridge over here a couple weeks back. Right? Somebody called me, and I knew it was an emergency. I pulled my car over. A cop pulls me over. License and registration. I go, here. He goes, where are you coming from? I go, I'm coming from church. He goes, really? I go, yeah. <laughs> he says to me, which church? I go, Calvary Chapel. He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that church. I go, okay. I go, he goes, uh, you involved in the church? I said, yeah, I'm the founding pastor. He goes, oh, you're Pastor Jim. <laughs> I told my story to my wife. She goes, of course, you didn't get a ticket. No, of course not, <laughs> right? But he goes, just, you know, I said, I, I, I had an emergency. I pulled over, and it was a bad place to do that. But get along with the county, get along with the city? Well, I don't, sometimes. Jesus says to these guys, I want you to live what you say you believe 
Or if you don't, when I come, it will be a day of judgment, not a day of joy. And typically in the Bible, when it talks about the Lord returning, you see great joy. Certainly no one wants a thief to come to them. Do you, any of you want a thief to come to your house? Some of you with guns probably do. But uh, do, you, do you want a thief to come to your house? Just curious, has anybody ever called you up and said, hello, I'm a thief, just wondering if you're going to be home this afternoon we want to rob your house? Well, that doesn't happen. They don't tell you how and when they're going to come. And so Jesus says, you know, I'll show up. Now, you might say, Jesus coming against me or against our church, that's scary. I think that's the point. I think that's the point. I think Jesus is saying to these people, you must come back to me. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, do you realize that is Jesus' invitation to you to come to him? That he is saying to you before the end of your life, come to me. You say, oh, I got plenty of time. You never know. You never know. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.